Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The AFC West, the focus for draft class recaps here on the Prospects and Props podcast. Chris Schubert, potentially Jamie Eisner. It says he's here. I can hear him, but I can't see him. There's no video version. He says he's got a migraine. I'm not sure if this is some AI replica of Jamie Eisner that's going to participate in the show today, but we will see the AFC West recaps here. Jamie, what's up, my guy? This is just chat GPT, just in podcast form. I don't know. I can't see you. You say that you're there. You say that it's because you have a migraine that you have the camera turned off. But I don't know. That could be the that could be chat GPT talking to me. You just got to ask me questions that only the real Jamie can answer. Um, all right. Maybe we'll sneak those in throughout the course of the show. Uh, AFC West draft recaps. You guys know the drill. We go through all four teams in the division. We talk about their classes individually. We then rank them. And then we ask the question, did any of these teams close the gap from where they were a year ago? We start... With the defending Super Bowl champions, 14-3, first in the AFC West, winners of the AFC, winners of the Super Bowl, the hosts of the 2023 NFL Draft, the Kansas City Chiefs. And boy, did they have a interesting haul that we will discuss here. In the first round, it's Kansas State product Felix Anudike Uzoma. In the second round, it's wide receiver Rasheed Rice from MSMU. It's Wanya Morris, offensive tackle from Oklahoma in round three. Shamari Connor, round four, safety from Virginia Tech. B.J. Thompson, linebacker from Stephen F. Austin in the fifth. Keandre Coburn, defensive tackle from Texas in the sixth. And Nick Jones corner from Ball State with pick number seven. And Jamie, you and I had a, a conversation yesterday when we got off the air uh, discussing uh, this draft class in general, kind of like a pre-show, and we both kind of were like, man, not really, kind of kind of underwhelmed with this. Yeah, th- that's kind of the word I would use is underwhelmed. It's not that I don't like some of these picks. I mean, uh, uh, Felix, you know, and EDK Uzoma is a solid player and as somebody that, you know, we had a chance to meet at the the draft house in, in Kansas City. And we kind of talked, you know, leading up to the draft that this could be a surprise late round one pick. That's something only Jamie would know, the real Jamie, that he was at the draft house. So I, I believe it was you now. Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad I can. I'm glad I was able to, to exonerate myself from uh, from some weird AI version of me. Imagine spending money to create an AI version of me. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. I mean, there's, not there's a good lot of waste in this world. I think yeah. that's that's a that's a mistake. But um, you know, Rasheed Rice is interesting. Um, you know, obviously, I know you were the president of the Rasheed Rice fan club for a while there. Thought he underwhelmed a little bit at the Senior Bowl. Um, there was some off-the-field stuff that we become privy to based on connections that we have that were, were less than ideal, which might have caused him to fall, you know, outside of the first round where he goes here in, in the second half of round two. I mean, they need to add a weapon there. I just thought that would be something they would have prioritized a little bit earlier. You know, we talked a lot about would they trade up for Zay Flowers? Would they – you know, allow themselves to move up before that wide receiver run. Well, that wide receiver run happened really, I guess, one spot earlier. Actually, mm-hmm. not in the exact spot. It happened with Seattle at 20. We thought that might be Kansas City kicking that off on a trade-up, but uh, I would have liked to see them get another weapon there. You know, Wanya Morris, I think, is a worthy uh, third-round pick here as a potential depth option that could develop into a potential starting right tackle for you down the line. You know, day three picks I was pretty underwhelmed by um, for the most part. So, look, you're Kansas City. You're still the Super Bowl favorites. You're still going to should win this division. You still should be the best team in the AFC. I, I was just looking for, you know, a, 
a few more impact players, particularly, you know, on the offensive line and at the receiving core coming out of this draft and where they ended up getting. But again, it's this is this is an elite team in the NFL. It's it's tough to be too critical of them as a whole. But uh, underwhelmed was the word you used, and underwhelmed is how I will end my commentary here. I think the interesting thing for me, Jamie, is. I'll ask you the question here. Do you not feel that with their first two picks, they addressed the two things that we all felt were probably the biggest concerns for them? Pass rush, being able to get after the quarterback and adding another receiver to this this pass catching group. That felt like if you were going to look at the Kansas City Chiefs and say, yeah, I know you just won the Super Bowl, but if there were places for you to improve, it would be here and here. And I think yeah, those they, would be the two answers, right? So I think, to see that I think that's they got the, the positions right. Right. Like, I don't know if they got the players right. I just don't right. know if they got the play Exactly. And that's like, weird, right? Positions right. That's the weird thing, right? Because I could be more critical of this if it's like, okay, you just completely didn't go with the positions that I thought you need. But you did that part right. I think you did that part of the evaluation correctly that you prioritized the two areas uh, on the, the defensive end with an edge rusher, with a pass rusher, and then with a receiver. I just don't know if you picked the right two players. Listen, I'm the biggest Rasheed Rice fan uh, that there was, but Jamie, you mentioned it. The uh, underwhelming senior bowl, the -the off-the-field stuff that we heard about, I kind of cooled on the idea of him potentially being an early pick. He ended up kind of going in the range that I thought he was going to go in, um, being a a early day two pick. That's kind of where he ended up going. Um, You certainly think that they feel pretty good about, you know, going through their process and looking into everything and um, hearing back on all of these players and knowing whether or not a player is a good fit for them. So they must have felt comfortable with Rasheed Rice. And again, I think they addressed the right two positions. I just don't know if they necessarily got the right two players. And I think, Jamie, we're going to do a little bit of an exercise here because I want to see who came off the board early in round two that I think could have been better for them um, rather than taking... Um, Felix and Udike Uzoma. Keon White might have made some sense for them looking at it here now. Um, looking at some other pass rushers. Not really anybody that jumps off the page that came off the board early on day two. But when it comes to wide receivers, receivers that came off the board after Rasheed Rice that I think could have made some more sense. Marvin Mims uh, in the back half of the second round with the last pick. Uh, you look at uh, maybe a Tank Dell, a Jalen Hyatt, a Cedric Tillman, Josh Downs, I think would have made some sense for them. Um, so those were some of the names that came off the board after that after the Rasheed Rice pick in round two that they could have uh, they could have gone down. So yeah, I would say just underwhelming. I don't think it's a bad class, but underwhelming is the word that I would use. Yeah, and, and I think maybe we set unrealistic expectations because you and I both thought they would trade up for a pass catcher. It's true. Uh, and looking at this again, I don't necessarily blame them for not taking a receiver at 31, given who was on the board. But I, I thought they should be very aggressive getting up to, you know, that 18, 19, 20-ish spot to kind of take a receiver. And again, who knows if they were and they couldn't get deals together again. We never know all of all the nuts and bolts of that. But we pretty much expected the 20 to 24 range in particular to be that wide receiver sweet spot that if you wanted to get one of these these tier one options, whether you thought there were three tier one options or four, however many you had there, you had to get to that spot or above that spot to get them. And that turned out to be prophetic, but they weren't able to do it. So again, it's not a bad class. I, I like some of the pieces that they got, but um, you know, at least the positions that they got those pieces at, you know, look, and maybe the Rasheed Rice stuff turns stuff around. I mean, if you were to said that pick four months ago, uh, I think we've had a much different reaction. Rave to, reviews for me, right? Rave reviews for yeah, me. Yeah, we would have talked about how, how could the league allow allow Patrick Mahomes to get Rasheed Rice. Like, so, again, I don't want to be too critical of it. Uh, it, it was fine, but um, I, I was a little underwhelmed. I thought they should have been, especially with 10 draft picks that they entered with, that they should have been a little bit more aggressive getting up early 
uh, in the first round than they were when they ended up making trades in other portions of this draft. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers finished second in this division, 10-7, and seven, and they used their first-round selection to give more weaponry for Justin Herbert. It's Quinton Johnston, wide receiver at a TCU. On day two, it's a pair of defensive players, Tuli Tupelotu uh, from USC, Dayon Henley, the linebacker from Washington State in the third round, and then on day three, it's Darius Davis, wide receiver from TCU, Jordan McFadden, offensive guard from Clemson, Scott Matlock, D-tackle from Boise State, and Max Duggan, quarterback from TCU in the seventh. And I got to tell you, Jamie, I really like what they did here. Yeah, I thought it was really solid. Like, I mean, underrated, I think. I think when we talk about some of the good classes, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but since I can't see you, I'm just going to do it anyway. Um, I think underrated. We talk about some of the, the the better classes from from this overall 2023 NFL draft, and we'll get to those teams. I don't think the Chargers get talked about enough. I like what they did specifically with their first three picks. Yeah, as I was say, day two really stands out to me. And not that I don't like the Johnston pick, but we'll talk about that in a second. That one's getting, I think, a proper amount of praise. Uh, Tuli Tua Palatu and Dayon Henley uh, on day two are really solid picks for them, and I think that's really where it, it brings up this overall draft class. Uh, I would not be surprised if we sit here two, three, four years from now at the end of his rookie contract, and Dayon Henley is the, the top uh, off-ball linebacker in this class. Uh, he's very Good raw take. right now. Great take. Played. Yeah, I mean, he's very raw, hasn't played the position a lot. Um, and look, I know they, they took a swing on a guy a couple years ago in the first round that didn't work out in Kenneth Murray, but uh, I would not be surprised if Henley develops at that position to the point where he is, if not better than at least is rivaling the you know the Jack Campbells and the Drew Sanderses of the world at that position, uh, you know Tuli. If you basically play him at defensive end uh, right now, I think you'll get the most out of him going forward. You kind of add that piece to that team. Uh, I like the flyer on Jordan McFadden in round five. I know they drafted him as a guard. I think he's a guy that can be. Uh, a multi-position backup for them long-term. I'm really excited about him. And look, Quentin Johnston, uh, there was a lot of talk about which receiver they might go with in round one. And let's be quite honest with you, they we haven't seen a lot of Mike Williams and Keenan Allen on the field at the same time. When we do, Justin Herbert has excelled. But Justin Herbert splits when one of those guys is out is a significant drop-off from what we've seen otherwise. And if you fancy yourself a Super Bowl team, with the franchise quarterback, you're about to pay a lot of money. You need to give him as many weapons as possible. And I think Quentin Johnston gives them another big weapon that has a chance to develop. Uh, again, it's, you know, he would, given the guys that were still on the board here, I probably would have gone with Zay Flowers over Johnston. But I think that's, that's a personal nitpick. Uh, overall, I really like what they did here. thought the first three picks were outstanding. Uh, I, I thought they the cook took a couple flyers on guys on day two. I think Darius Davis, I know it's a crowded receiver room, but is, is a worthwhile uh, flyer there in round four. Jordan McFadden, I liked. Um, you know, look, you, you take Max Duggan in the seventh. What you know, fine. Uh, TCU draft, a very big yeah, TCU a very draft. TCU draft, and you know, Scott Matlock. I don't know a ton about. I'll be perfectly honest with you. He was one of the guys that we didn't do write ups for for TDN who went there in the late sixth round, but. Uh, again, I, I you nailed the first three picks, and I think your day two was outstanding. To, got a couple good flyers there on day three. I think this is exactly the type of draft that you're looking for 
uh, as a concept for any team in the league. Keenan Allen's also getting older too, Jamie. How much can you really rely on him long term? I think the idea of building around Mike Williams and Quentin Johnston as the one-two of your passing offense with Justin Herbert, who they're hopefully going to sign to an extension here sooner rather than later. I think that's also part of the vision. I think some people can get caught up in the idea of, man, how are you going to get all three guys on the field right now? Yeah, that could be a problem, but here's what we do know. Those two guys, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, they miss some time. And two, you also can think long-term here with this as well, and maybe Keenan Allen's uh, tenure there in, in, in L.A. with the Chargers is going to come to an end sooner rather than later. So again, I like to pick from that uh, perspective. The Raiders, 6-11, third in the AFC West. They had a whole host of picks. They kicked it off with Tyree Wilson, defensive end out of Texas Tech. Michael Mayer, tight end out of Notre Dame in round two. Byron Young, the Alabama. Byron Young, defensive tackle in round three. Trey Tucker, also in round three, wide receiver out of Cincinnati. And then on day three, it's a pair of fourth-round picks. Ja'Korian Bennett, corner from Maryland. Aiden O'Connell, quarterback from Purdue. Christopher Smith, safety from Georgia. Amari Bernie, uh, linebacker from Florida. And Nesta Jade Silvera, forks up Arizona State D-tackle with the uh, in, in the seventh round and Jamie I like what they did here uh, yeah. I, I think I think they accomplished a lot of goals and there are a couple picks two in particular that I think aren't going to get the love that they deserve I'll let you go first and see if you also shout these two picks out but I think there are two picks that they made that are not going to get enough love that I think make this a pretty well-rounded class yeah and we'll see if we differ here I, I, I liked everything except their third round um their two third round picks of, of Alabama's Byron Young and Cincinnati's Trey Tucker I thought were both a bit of a reach uh, even there at the end of day two. But otherwise, I really like this. You know, starting at the top, Tyree Wilson, I know, was in the conversation to go number two overall uh, to Houston as we had that, as we talked about the pre draft stuff leading up to it. You know, he has that foot injury, has to work his way back, but has tremendous upside. And again, I don't think there will be anybody shocked if he is among, if not the best defensive player in this class when it's all said and done. He's got that potential. He's got, again, potential means you haven't done anything yet, but he's got that potential. Michael Meyer is a great fit here. Uh, he's a great replacement for Darren what? Waller. He's this a- is the first I'm hearing of this. He's the Darren Waller replacement? Yes. And more importantly, he's the exact type of player I think would thrive with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and thrive in that in that Josh McDaniels offense as a guy that could do a little bit of everything as an inline tight end. Uh, and then I really like their day three. Ja'Korian Bennett is an underrated cornerback prospect who I'm really excited about. Chris Smith as well in the fifth. Uh, Nesta Jade Silvera, I would not be shocked, even as a seventh-round pick, if, if he makes the opening 53-man for this squad. I think he's got a legitimate shot at that. You know, Aiden O'Connell as a long-term potential uh, backup option is another solid fit here. Uh, I really, again, I think they reached a little bit in round three, but overall, I really like what they did. And they have two, they probably have, I mean, the first two picks are both going to be instant starters for them, barring health for Tyree Wilson. And I think they probably have at least another couple starters here as you get into rounds three, four, and five. I, I'm I'm pretty excited what they did here with these, what are these, nine picks that they had? Uh, this is requiring me to do nine math. Picks. Yes, nine selections in the 2023 NFL draft. And yeah, Jamie, you mentioned Michael Mayer. Listen, we know two things. We know how much Jimmy Garoppolo loved to use the tight end position when he was in San Francisco with George Kittle. And we know how much the tight end is part of Josh McDaniel's offense. We saw it in all those years in New England with the way that they used Gronk. Again, not comparing Michael Mayer to Gronk, but you understand the utilization of that position uh, at the NFL level for that for McDaniel's as a coach and for Jimmy G as a quarterback. So I like that pick. Uh, and the two picks that I want to shout out, you kind of gave the flowers where I think they deserve. Nesta Jade Silvera in the seventh. Do not sleep on this guy making this team. I think he can be a, a player for them. Uh, and Christopher Smith, one of the better safeties in this class. And this was a down year for the safety class in general. But I I think to get one of the top 
three, four safety options in this class all the way in round five, I think it's a great pickup for them. So those are the two picks that I wanted to shout out. I agree with you on the value uh, there in round three, but I don't think Trey Tucker's a bad pick. I think he's going to give them another type of option in that offense um, that they're going to need. And so I can appreciate the pick from that regard. Surprised that he came off the board before Tyler Scott did when discussing the Cincinnati wide receiver room. But I don't hate the pick from a positional need perspective. Um, but yeah, I think they got two starters with their first two picks. Um, and I think they got uh, multiple guys on day two and day three that I think at worst are going to be really high quality depth. So I think they did really well here. Uh, and they, they have to. They got to keep up with the Joneses or keep up with the Mahomeses there uh, in the AFC West. And so they're starting this new chapter with Jimmy G. They needed a, a good draft to kind of help uh, supplant some issues that they had along the roster. And I think they did uh, just that. Uh, the Denver Broncos, 5-12, and 12, last in the AFC East. But uh, year two of Russell Wilson, a brand new coach uh, in Sean Payton. And they had five draft selections. In fact, a bunch of trades got them all of these draft selections. Marvin Mims in round two, Drew Sanders, linebacker in round three, Riley Moss, corner from Iowa in round three, JL Skinner, safety from Boise State, and Alex Forsyth, center from Oregon with round seven. Uh, you know, Meh. Jamie, they've only got five picks. It's tough to evaluate. The Marvin Mims pick is a little weird to me. Then they then pick up Jerry Judy's fifth-year option. I thought they were going to move one of these wide receivers. Doesn't look like that's going to be the case. You take a linebacker and Drew Sanders. He's a he's a nice player, but okay. Riley Moss. Yeah, this is mid. So so look, very mid draft. Yeah, like look, and this is nothing against Marvin Mims, but of all the areas the Broncos could address, even if they end up trading one of Sutton or Judy, you're talking about a guy that's going to be your third or fourth wide receiver at best, and that's the first pick you have in this draft. Uh, I, I don't think that was necessary. You got Drew Sanders, who I like. I, I, that's a good pick. I have no, I have no qualms with the Drew Sanders pick in round three. But then you trade back up for Riley Moss, who I think is a, is a fine player. But you gave up, I believe, you gave up twenty twenty four draft capital to to do this, and I don't think he was a player worthy of of giving up extra capital to go get and trade up for in round three. You know, JL Skinner. I mean, I guess you could take a flyer. He was real. He really struggled at the Senior Bowl, I thought. But again, you're talking about a sixth round pick, so I'm not going to be too critical. Forsyth in the seventh is a worthy flyer at a center, but you know, to me, it's more so you move things around. You give you gave up draft capital, and I don't think your team is really any better because of it. I think you maybe have one one ish starter from this right away, and I think long term you maybe have two starters from this class. Uh, this is to me this is a little spoiler, Chris. This will be at the bottom of my AFC West draft rankings. Uh, I, I am unimpressed and unenthused by this Broncos draft. And really unenthused by the capital they had to give up just to get to this point in, in this underwhelming class. Yeah, I agree. They're they're team number four for me. I wasn't sure if you were going to put Kansas City down there, um, but I agree. I think this Denver uh, class um, kind of misses the mark in a lot of ways, and they needed help in a lot of different areas. And I don't know if they necessarily uh, got it. And we'll see. <clears throat> a lot of what they're betting on in 2023 is the idea that Sean Payton's going to be able to fix. A lot of the offensive issues that plague them. Their defense was one of the best in the league last year, so they're hoping that they can fix some of their offensive woes, and that can be enough uh, to have them keep pace in the AFC West. All right, let's rank these. We've already given away that we have Denver four. I think we're going to have the same order here. I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Chargers, Raiders, Chiefs, Broncos. It's exactly the way four. that's exactly the way that I see it. Chargers, Raiders, Chiefs, Broncos. I think the Chiefs get the leg up over the Broncos because again, while we don't necessarily love the players 
I shouldn't say not love the players. It was just a little questionable about the players they took. I think they addressed positions of need, so you got to give them the the addition there. Um, I thought the Raiders added multiple starters in their draft class. Um, and again, they had more picks. That kind of helps them a little bit here. But I think the Chargers are the clear winners here um, in what they were able to do, specifically on day one and day two. Um, just being able to add, I think, three people that are going to immediately fill in um, as high-quality players for them. So I thought they did really, really well. And I guess, Jamie, we'll ask the question this way. Did anybody catch the Chiefs? They're the Super Bowl champs. Kind of hard to catch the Chiefs, but I don't think anybody did. No, Chris, I don't think anybody caught the Chiefs, but I don't think anybody or any one of us expected them to. But, you know, I will note the Chargers having a good draft is important. And and I know you're in a division with Patrick Mahomes and in the tough AFC conference, but you are a contender. You have a franchise quarterback. You have a championship caliber roster if everybody stays healthy. You need to be in the mix here. And, you know, look, I don't expect Mahomes and the Chiefs to win every year. At some point, no one is going to have sympathy for you. You're going to have to go out there and beat some of these great teams. So I'm glad that the Chargers addressed some areas that they needed, particularly on the first two days of the draft. But the Chiefs are still the kings of this division. They're still the kings of the NFL. And until really until otherwise, I mean, you just it's going to take a lot to dethrone that team, that quarterback, that coaching staff. But at least I thought the Chargers – Maybe narrowed the gap ever so slightly, but uh, there is no, in my mind, reasonable reason to pick anybody but the Chiefs to come out of the West this year. Did the Chargers get better? Yes, and I think that's the important thing because they are going to need to get better to be able to compete with the Chiefs on a regular basis, and I think they're going to lock in Justin Herbert later on this summer to a long-term contract extension, and then they're going to have that window to go ahead and try to, to try to dethrone Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, and drafts like this go a long way for them to be able to do that, um, and so I think they got off to a good start. They built some nice pieces um, with this draft class that they can fill some holes on their roster. And again, did they get better? Absolutely. Uh, did they did they close the gap with the Chiefs? They're going to have to show that when they go out on the field. And, and Justin Herbert's going to have to show that he has matured and has grown and progressed as a quarterback and, and is one of those elite quarterbacks in this league that people think he can be. Uh, and if that gap gets closed, where Herbert becomes one of those top options in in the league when it comes to quarterbacks then okay then the gap's been closed but for right now until that happens the Chiefs are still the standard bearer not only of the AFC West but of the AFC uh we'll stay out West the NFC West interesting draft classes I'm thinking about them in my head here as I close the show interesting uh and it'll be fascinating to see I think we're gonna like a couple of them and not like or detest maybe some of them as well uh yeah it's gonna be fun we, I don't want to do the show before polarizing. the show. Polarizing is the word. It is because you, you've got one team that got significant capital for next year. you got another team that drafted two players at a position that almost won Offensive Rookie of the Year the year prior. Uh, you have one team that didn't get to pick until the third round. And, and then took, took a, a kicker. kicker. Yeah, it's going to be great. I can't um, wait for tomorrow's show. Yeah, and then you had a team that barely got to make any picks and really kind of went off the board on a few of their selections, including a quarterback. So – uh, is this actually going to be a very fascinating conversation that we have to end the week? So that's what you can look forward to tomorrow here on the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Schubert underscore. You can follow Jamie on Twitter at Jamie Eisner. Appreciate everybody making this show a part of their day, rating, reviewing, subscribing to the show. We're having a lot of fun doing this, uh, and I cannot wait into the summer. Jamie, I put together today, uh, and I didn't tell you this, but I put together the list of all the quarterbacks um, that are a part of our um, big board feature on uh, thedraftnetwork.com, and I scheduled out when I'm going to take my first look at them for 2024. So maybe, maybe sometime this month I'll give you my way-too-early quarterback rankings 
rankings for uh, the 2024 oh, draft class. Because I've got the schedule mapped out. I'm watching two a day uh, once we start uh, getting to that process. So that that's coming pretty soon. Jane Daniels won. Uh, Jane Daniels will probably not be number one. I, I also get to him, I think, a little late in the process. I can look at the schedule, but he's kind of down there uh, in the schedule that I made. So uh, looking forward to, to that later on here in the summer. But appreciate everybody making this show a part of, the, a part of their day. Everybody have a great rest of their Thursday. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.